Praise God. Well, listen, we've uh, we've been we've been in a series um, in the past couple of weeks, and um, been talking about faith, walking by faith, living by faith, what that looks like. And um, today we're going to talk a little bit more about that. We're going to be getting into Joshua chapter three. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there with me. And um, we're we're looking at um, the time in history when the children of Israel were about to cross over into this promised land. <laughs> and uh, and it was a long await. It was actually this is 40 years in the making. <laughs> and uh, it's such a much it's a much anticipated crossing. They've got God's promises um, that are behind them, his presence that is leading them. And God, in this case, has has found a generation of people who will follow him into all that he has for them. And um, and so in a minute, we're going to read there in Joshua three uh, and we'll be let me open my notes here. We'll be reading uh, verses 11 through 17 and then talking about uh, walking by faith. And this is particularly obedience of the faith, what the Bible calls the obedience of the faith. It's powerful. It's it's, it's a powerful phrase, really, the obedience of the faith. How many have found that, that in Scripture? The obedience of the faith. It's powerful. And it says two things that... That one, obedience is important to God. You know, after we talked, after, after last week's message, you know, Brian came to me and he said, and he said, you know what was missing in the first place? Obedience. And it, it's so true. I said, you're exactly right. And I actually had a point that I didn't, that I hadn't got to. And um, when he said that to me, he just confirmed, oh, that's right. That, that is the point that I actually didn't share that morning that I had ready to share. But, but. A sign of faith really is obedience. Obedience to God. And, um, and, and actually, we sometimes, you know, you know we, if you have, a, um, you know, children, little, little kids, you know, if you've raised kids, how many have kids in here? How many have ever had kids? Cool. How many have ever been a, a kid? Raise your hand if you've been a kid before. There's a few that haven't, but most have. And, um, and so... If you've been a kid, everybody's at least been a kid. And, you know, you know, the thing about kids is that they learn as a parent. One of the things you teach your kids is how to follow. You you teach your kids. You, you're raising, you're not just raising kids, you're raising adults. You're training them for life. And you want them to have the best life that they can possibly have. Right? It's really why we talk to our kids about their attitudes and things like that. Because... It's not just like that That attitude irritates me. What's always been in my heart as a father is, with that attitude, you won't have a very good life. If you keep that attitude, it is going to cause you bumps on the head. And the, you know, and, and the Bible says that the ungodly stumble and they don't know why. And, and so they keep bumping their head and they're like, why is life so hard? The way the transgressor is hard. What's a transgressor? Somebody who doesn't live God's way. Somebody who doesn't know the Lord, doesn't have a faith in God, and therefore doesn't live a life of obedience to what God is calling them to do. And how many know there's levels of obedience? One, there's obedience to the faith, obedience 
to the gospel. So number one, we, we come to God when we hear the gospel and we respond through what? Faith. The Bible talks about, we're going to look at that verse in a little bit, but the Bible talks about the obedience of the faith. And uh, maybe I'm getting ahead of myself, but I really want to say it right now that that the thing about obedience is, you know, we often think of when you when you think in terms of law, should, should not have to, you know, people, you know, some people use that kind of language a lot. You know, I try to eliminate it in my life. I still sometimes say I should do this and I catch myself. I'm like, I don't like that language. I don't like the way it feels, because here's what I've noticed. Knowing that I should do something has never caused me to do it. I mean, it's true. I mean, even if you go, no, I did it because I knew I should. Still attached to that should was a desire to do what's right. And so the reason you actually did what you knew to be right is because in your heart you had a desire to do what's right. And as a believer, that motivation comes from a desire to please God by living a life of faithful obedience. <laughs> so good. And, and, here's, and here's the thing about obedience. Obedience actually is a sign of faith. And really, when, if I don't obey God, what it really reveals in my heart is that I don't really trust God. We don't actually don't get down to this root very often. Like, if, as a kid, if I don't obey my parents, it's because I don't believe them that that's the best way to do it. I have another idea, something else I want to do, and I'm pretty convinced it's going to be better for me, a lot more fun, for sure, and or whatever, right? You follow me. And so, so o- obedience, actually, to God is a sign of great faith. And if I, if I lack obedience with my Father, it's because there's an area of my heart and my mind that is lacking a real trust in Him. Because faith says, I believe that your way is best, even if I don't understand what you're saying to me. Well, if I don't understand why you're asking me to do such and such, but faith says, but you're, you're the best. You're, you're, you're my Father. You're my Heavenly Father. You have all wisdom. You see everything. I, I hardly see anything compared to what you see. And, and this is what parents know, right? It's like, why can't I have candy for breakfast? Why? It tastes good. What's wrong with that? You're like, well, I mean, you know, I want you to be healthy in your body. I want you to have teeth when you grow up. Anyway, so getting ahead of myself, let's read the Bible. (laughs) I love this portion of Scripture. We're going to hit a few different points today, but Joshua 3. And remember... Um, just to recap, I'm not really going to recap the last couple of weeks altogether, but remember the journey, right? Remember all the way back 40 years before this, they were ready to go into the promised land. You know, I think what should have been like a 40 day journey was a 40 year journey. And it was tougher than that because actually everybody who was supposed to go in except for two people. God was actually just waiting. This is crazy. How many are thankful for the age of grace? I just want to say we're living in the age of grace because of the cross, right? Because because for them, God got to the point with them where he was like, you missed it. And 
you got to like live in the desert until you all die and then I'll take your kids in. And it's just kind of crazy, right? Because God was looking for a generation of faith. And remember to recap, we talked about how when the two and a half, when the two tribes, Gad and Reuben, came to Moses right before the crossing after they defeated Og of Bashan. And, and, and so they look around and they go, this is awesome. This place, look, we've got herds. This is great for our herds. Moses, why don't you give us this land instead of the inheritance that's on the other side? Now, remember what we said was the, the problem is, is they actually lacked faith. This is one of those things. They thought their idea was really going to be better than God's. And, and really, uh, in their reasoning, they probably didn't even think that. They probably just really were like, honestly, I think they were trying to avoid a fight. That I don't want to fight giants. This is good, Moses. Look at this. Besides, there'll be more room over there for you guys anyway. If we stay, win-win. Moses is like, you can have it if you want. That's fine. If you want to do that, you can do that. Um, but you still got to come over, help us defeat all the giants and everything. And then once everybody's defeated, then you can come back here to your nice land. That's second best. <laughs> he didn't say that, but that was the truth. And we talked about how Moses confronts them at first before he blesses their choice. This really is amazing. God is saying, here is where I'm leading you. This is best. It's flowing with milk and honey. It's a land of promise. Houses you don't have to build. Vineyards that are already mature. Big, huge grapes. I mean, it's ready. You're just going to come in, keep water and everything and eat it. And so they, they decided to stay. And when they, when, they proposed, when they made this proposal to Moses, remember how Moses confronted them. This was in Numbers. And, and Moses said, so they're like, hey. And they, they even approached Moses with honor, with respect. It seemed like, wow, this is lovely. And Moses looks at him and he says, why are you discouraging your brothers? Why are you discouraging Israel? Pretty like intense confrontation there just for, hey, wanting some good land here. Why not? Why are you discouraging? And we talked a little bit about how our life of faith actually either inspires others, which is what we're actually called as the family of God, that your life of faith, Barry's life of faith, when I see Barry and the way, you know, when the way Barry lives, Barry lives, Barry and Bev, I, I didn't plan to say, they live so excellently. You guys know, you know, Barry and Bev, they have excellence on their life. They know how to do life well. And, 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 if, and if you listen, if you hang out with Barry and Bev at all, it's a faith. It's always a, what God's word says, what the faith confession is in, in every situation. And, you know, you get around people like that. And what happens is you walk away going, with courage in your heart. And you go, yes, I do believe God for this and that and this. And it strengthens your faith. Your faith. And on the other hand, when if we settle, believing that our life actually doesn't affect anyone else, and really we overlook our significance. We don't realize really the influence that each of us has on somebody, probably more people than you realize, you know? And you're like, you know what? It, it just doesn't really matter. It's my life anyway. Here's what I think. As soon as I start thinking it's my life anyway, I forget that it's not my life. It's actually Jesus's life. Right. That's just for me. I'm preaching myself right now. Take it for yourself if you want it. But 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 he bought me, didn't he? For one, he bought me anyway. That's another message. But when we but so my life of faith either inspires others or from the words of Moses, when I don't live in faith, this is crazy. He went all the way to not 
You're not giving them the encouragement they need. He said, you are discouraging them. You are taking courage from your brothers and sisters by not inheriting the promise God has for you. Crazy, right? So intense. Anyway, and I just say that to say that, that it's important that we realize that we actually are a body. And every single member affects the rest of the body. Do you know that? Do you know there are people out there who belong in here? In this gathering. I don't care where you gather. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you know what I mean? I'm like, I, I just think, but, but there are people that belong here. There are people, God, and it's true, God calls you to a gathering. He does. And, and, and there's people that belong in the Baptist church and in the Nazarene church and in, in all the churches. And I was, I was just so moved in my heart this morning as I was spending time with the Lord. And I was just thinking about how, you know, God, it is your heart that you would pour out your spirit on every single gathering of the believers. Not just the full gospel church. Not just, do you realize that? Like, it, God doesn't really care about your denominational name. He cares that you bear the name of Jesus over your life. And he says, the people who bear that name, I want to pour out my spirit on all flesh. All flesh. Amen. So, we better, we didn't read this yet. Here we go. We're doing good. When the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth goes ahead of you into the Jordan. Oh, sorry. It's, it's Joshua 3, verse 11. Joshua 3, verse 11. When the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth goes ahead of you into the Jordan. Now choose 12 men for the tribes of Israel, one man for each tribe. When the feet of the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth. I love that specification. Which Lord? The Lord of all the earth. In case you didn't know which Lord. Come, come to rest. When those feet come to rest in the Jordan's waters, its waters will be cut off. The water flowing downstream will stand up in a mass. When the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carried the Ark of the Covenant ahead of the people. Now the Jordan overflows its banks throughout the harvest season, but as soon as the priests carrying the Ark reached the Jordan, their feet touched the water at its edge, and the water flowing downstream stood still, rising up in a mass that extended as far as Adam, a city next to Zarethan. The water flowing downstream into the into the Sea of the Arabah, that's the Dead Sea, was completely cut off and the people crossed opposite Jordan. Jericho. Thanks, Shelley. So, one thing I want to point out is that faith rests. One of the signs that you actually have faith about an area of your life is that you are at rest in that area. If I'm not at rest about something in my life, it just tells me one thing. I haven't heard God about it yet. Because faith comes by hearing. When I don't have peace about something, you know what I start saying? God, speak to me about this. I need to hear you about this. What are you saying about this? 
and God speaks, and sometimes He speaks to you a few times. And He, and He, you know, and then pretty soon that, that word that He is speaking to you takes root in your heart, and you're able to surrender it to God and go, I'm at rest. Uh, some years back, I, uh, we were living in Lake County, and I knew that God was calling me to, uh, to do some type of ministry school. And, um, and so, uh, through some connections that I had, I found a Bible school in the Marysville area. And um, Yuba City, Marysville, down in that area. And there was a church there, a pretty thriving Assemblies of God church. And a pastor who was like an associate pastor, he was an associate pastor at my church in Clear Lake, was now there as, like an, as an associate. And he was leading the Bible school that they had. They had a Bible school. And so I saw this, and God had spoken to us about going to some type of training in school. And, um, and so I saw this, and I said, I think that's what we're going to do. And now I look back, and I just think I wanted God to be on it. I think I just wanted to go after. I wanted to be moving. You know what I mean? I wanted to be moving forward in what God had. And, um, and so we went down there. We checked it all out. Honestly, when I think back, I never really had peace or a rest about the whole thing. But, but I was determined, and this is what I did. I had myself in, like, faith mode, right? Faith. And I, and I was like, we're, we're going to go. We have to faith walk. We're going to go there. We're going to go to Bible school. I mean, I literally, I couldn't get a job anywhere. Like, and I, I mean, I'm like, I'm looking at myself. I'm like, I'm pretty hireable. I'm like... You know what I mean? I mean, you know, I work hard. I've got a good record here. Like, you know, and and um, and uh, and so I just get all the doors were shut. And I mean, barred shut. Nothing was moving. I'm sitting down with the pastor that's there talking about it. And I, and I remember in that time, I told a good friend of mine, Nick. Nick was asking me all about it. And, I, and I'm I'm making his declarations of faith. I'm like, well, we're really going to have an amazing testimony the way I'm, you know, when God works this out and we're there and we're going to school of ministry. And then it was just shut, shut, shut. And finally, I came to the realization this actually isn't going to happen. <laughs> and um, and so I was sitting on my couch at my house and I'm reading that John G. Lake uh, Life and Sermons book. How many have never seen that book? It's like 500 pages. If you're a school of ministry student here, you've all read it. I mean, at least hopefully you have. Yeah, I mean, don't look, Shane, if they haven't read it. That's between them and the Lord. But, uh, but, you know, but, uh, but, uh, yeah, anyway, so I'm reading this book, and, and without going into the analogy, there's a message that I was reading one of John G. Lake's messages. And in the message uh, that he was preaching there, it was about how, uh, Anyway, it was about how the priests used to lead the scapegoat out into the wilderness. They'd confess all their sins on it. They would, they would lead it out to die. And that was a type of Christ. And he's preaching about how the Holy Spirit led Jesus out into the wilderness, then out into three and a half years of ministry, ultimately to die for the sins of the world and then to raise again and ascend. But, and and as, as I read this, this is the first time I ever found out what God was saying to me by what I was arguing with him about. This is funny, you know what I mean? Like, what comes out of your heart sometimes is very telling when you're talking to God. And, um, and I, I read it, this, and, and, he, and the Holy Spirit led Jesus three and a half years out to the cross. And I, 
And I said out loud, it just bypassed my brain. I've had this happen a few times. It comes out of my mouth. I said, God, I don't want to wait three and a half years. Oh, I just realized I was busted. I, I just realized that I had actually heard God about this whole ministry school thing. So three and a half years later, just about to the mark. And by the way, that next three and a half years, there was a lot of walking and dying that happened. <laughs> like to self, you know what I'm saying? Like beautiful refinement of the spirit, you know? I'm not, I'm not talking, but you know what I mean, right? If, if you walk with the Lord and you want to do what he's doing, he's going to help your heart out. And, um, and so the difference was when it was time for us to go to ministry school after that three and a half years, everything was different. It was night and day. And, and so, I mean, I knew you know what I'm saying? Faith knows. When you've got faith, you know. Right? And sometimes you're in there where you're just, you're activating what faith you have and you've got a good dose of hope happening and you've got as much faith. You know I, mean? I understand the journey and everything, but this was one of those times where it was like, people would go, hey, do you, have you been accepted to the school yet? Like, how do you know you're going? And it was literally, those kind of questions were like, were like, wait, what? It was like, what do you, you know, it was like, I'm going. You know what I mean? And, and I was going because I had heard God. And it was in my spirit. I remember standing in my, in my living room. The way I was praying was different. God, open the way. And in the spirit, I could just see it. God was opening it. Everything was divinely orchestrated. Doors were opening. Boom, boom, boom. Next thing you know, we're there. And you know what the difference between faith and presumption is? Faith means you've actually heard God about it. <laughs> and, and so the first time I tried it, I heard myself. And, and, um, and it was in response to something that God had spoken to me. But the timing wasn't right. And so, so faith rests. And I think this is powerful because the, the Jordan was what laid between them and the promised land. But it said that when the priests who carried the ark, which was the presence of the Lord, which, by the way, thank God, we're all priests. If we belong to God in Christ, we are priests and we all care. Actually, you don't carry the ark. You are the ark. You're the ark. You're walking around. You're this walking temple of God. Isn't that amazing? Sometimes just sit down and go and just say, just clear your mind and just go, God lives inside of me. God does. It is repeated a few times. God, the creator of everything, lives inside me. No, he, it's not a metaphor. God lives in, in me. God. God is in me. Not a piece of God. God does. The person of God. And just think about it. It'll, it'll just really, it'll change your life. And so, and so, faith rests. So, let's sum this point up here. So when they put their feet into the water, it says they rested. It didn't say swim across, thrash about, strive. It's a funny story about David Hogan, that one of my, for the sake of time, he tried to walk on water and got swept down the river. It was like this big torrent. It's one of my favorite stories. He's got a, well, I don't know, every story he tells is like a favorite story to me. But this one was great just because it shows his tenacity and his humanness at the same time. And he's like, he's like, I tied my backpack on. There was this flash flood. They hiked through it on the way there. On the way back, it was flooded. 
steps in, <laughs> scrambles to the bank, and he goes, this time, I have faith. <laughs> Gets sucked down the river, <laughs> finally just thrashed about until he got to the other side. This is a very different experience. <laughs> it's amazing. The cool part of that story is, he said that it was dark and he couldn't see anything. He didn't even know where he'd parked his truck. Couldn't, didn't know if he was crossing the right place. So if you're swimming across this river, think of how much ground you're covering. When he climbs out of the bank in the dark, his truck was right in front of him. So God will lead you even when you can't see. And, um, and so... Um, Other leaders advanced this last week, and, uh, and and Bill Johnson spoke the last night. It was so powerful. And um, I was looking around that room as Bill was speaking and ministering, and I was realizing that this changing of the guard that we're in, in the body of Christ, is it's like, uh, let me give you some context for that. For the past two decades... Much of the church that you and I know has been benefiting from an outpouring of the spirit that happened in the mid 90s. And before that, we were living on other moves of God. I mean, it's in our heritage. I, I, you know, it goes all the way back to Christ himself and Pentecost. I understand that. But but. But what we've been living in, and I realized year after year I would serve sometimes in that leader's advance. This is the first time I ever just went and sat and received the whole time. It was an amazing experience. And, um, but I was looking around and I was thinking, some of these people, are. I see a few that have been around for years, but almost this entire room is a different crowd. And I realized, and I could hear it in Bill's voice, and it confirmed something that I have been feeling Myself has a lot to do with what Anna released this morning, actually. It's actually right on target. Is that, is I was looking around the room and I thought, this is amazing what's happening. But the, the leaders that have been gathering here in this room for this event and many other events over the past two decades used to come year after year because they all drank of the same wine that was poured out, the wine of the Spirit, if you will. The same renewal, the same revival that broke out in different parts of the world, in England, in Toronto, in Brownsville, and all over the world. And it just spread and it covered any part of the church who was hungry, and, or at least willing to receive that. And, um, and I realized I'm looking around and I'm like, I don't know, you can feel the difference. And I thought, this wave of leaders needs an outpouring. We need one. We need an outpouring. And you can feel it in the air. and You can feel it in God's heart. Like, I just feel like that is what God's heart is doing. And, and really, I'll just tell you, since I've been here, that what Anna shared this morning, that whole John the Baptist thing, that's actually what, I don't know if I've ever explained, I don't know if I've ever uh, said this out loud, but what's in my heart and, and what is in my mind is this, this desire and this, this, this place, this role of, Preparing us, the things we're teaching about, the things we're building, is really preparing us, and the best we can, saying, God, set us up, prepare the way for what you are doing right now and even about to do. Because God is moving, and there's a fresh wind, and there's an outpouring of the Spirit that's happening. And, and, 
And when, when we, if we enter that, but I want to be those who enter that by faith. You say, God, you know what? I don't know. If it looks different than it looked before, I, I just want you. I just want you. And, and what I've read, what I've seen is that, that what often threatens, what often makes it difficult for us to enter into something fresh with God is because we experienced Him doing something else before. And then everything that happened in that move, we got, we, we, we found out how to steward what God was doing and how to live in what He was pouring out in our life. This, this is corporately and individually. And what happens is we get, we get traditions, if you will. And I'll just tell you something. What, that word gets a bad rap in the Christian church sometimes. Traditions are beautiful. They're not evil. The only time God has a problem with a tradition, you see, what Jesus had against the Pharisees is that they chose their traditions over the truth of God. That's where he has an issue. When he goes, when your way, when, before you were doing it to steward my way, but when that becomes your way and you insist on that way, when I am saying something fresh to you, that is when we have to deal with that. And that is what will keep you from my from what I have for you. Won't keep you out of heaven. Won't keep you out of my love. It won't it won't change the fact that you're my child. But you might not enter into the promised land and eat of all the goodness that's growing over there. But you'll be here, you'll have some pastures. But the but but faith, fresh faith, living faith, faith is now. Now faith is. So Faith is now. And so, so if I, I, I don't, I don't want to just have stories. I have stories. You have stories. But I don't just want to have stories. I want God. And we have Him. But, but what's in my heart is, I just feel like the Lord's saying, are you up for another adventure? This is what I feel like God is saying. Are you up for another adventure? Do you want to add another leg of the race? Yeah, I can, you do, don't you? And, 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 and so, let's move on. This is something that, plug it in wherever you want to. We're wrapping up here. Just give me a minute. I'm going to wrap this up. You see, it isn't the complexity of the gospel that is an obstacle, but the simplicity is often offensive. It requires surrendering. This is the offense. It requires surrendering our own ideas to believe what Jesus says or to receive what he's doing. Jesus simplifies everything. When it begins to seem complicated to me, it's a sign that I'm striving and in need of a fresh surrender to him and his ways. Same if I feel like I have a cold heart. If it's getting complicated, it's probably turning in to religion. It truly is a miracle when any of us come to him, a real work of his grace. This is why I don't ever want to judge anyone for where they are, but speak the truth with love and trust Holy Spirit to reveal Jesus. Listen, here's the thing. People would often prefer a list of requirements to perform rather than surrender to the simple way the Lord leads. For example, go dip in the river seven times. The king's like, that's dirty. I can't, I'm, a, I'm above that. You know what? And, and you know, you got a servant going, hey, you'd have done anything else he said. Why don't you just give it a try? 
that's just dumb. How's dipping in the river going to heal me? The reason is because dipping in the river doesn't heal you. God does. And you partner with him with the obedience of the faith. Simply having a humble enough heart and mind to say, I don't get it, but I will do it. You know, Jesus said to, to, the, to the rich young ruler, sell all you have, come and follow me. You see, it's not complicated. It's just offensive. Because that's just not the way I want to do it. You'll find that what Jesus asked for was the thing that had a hold of their heart. Because it wasn't the act that pleased him, but the fact that they were willing to do what he asked. This was an indicator of whether or not they were following with their hearts. <laughs> you know, I can follow with my actions, right? Like I can read the Bible, I can get the plan, I can get the, the Christian structure of my life. You know what I'm saying? And I can have all the disciplines in place. Which, by the way, I believe in spiritual disciplines. Prayer, Bible reading, meditation, all those things. It's not religious. You know, Alan Hood said it's how you tend the garden where you meet with God. God walked with Adam in the cool of the day. And I, liked, I was noticing when I was, when I was meditating on that this morning, I was thinking, you know what I noticed is it doesn't say God sat with Adam. It said he walked with him. Which is an indicator of what life really looks like, isn't it? Life, we're all, you know what, I don't know about you, but we're always looking for... I don't want to say we're always, because not everybody, but, but often we are looking for when we can be done with this so we can sit down and do and You know what I mean? When this is done, then I can go on, on the weekend. When this is done, I can go on vacation. When this is done, we're living for this little time when we get to sit down. And when we do that, we're missing out on the joy of life because the Bible says God walked with man. And Jesus said, I am the way. You know, if you notice God's language, when he reveals himself to man, it's all about a journey. That's what this life is. And, and I think the problem is, is when we stop living in tents and we start building houses. When God is still leading his people and pouring out his spirit, you know, I don't want to be like, I just built too permanent of a house, permanent of a house over here to follow. And then I would hear the Lord say, why don't you sell it all? And follow me. And I'm not saying really sell all your stuff. Right? Unless God, I mean, unless God told you that. There's people that do that. But you understand, it's a heart thing. Alright. Faith rests. And so I woke up. I'm going to close with this. Would you stand, actually? After Bill, after that last session at the Leader's Advance... But he really ministered at the end, and I really got, I was, I was getting such an impartation that night. I come home, and I, I go to sleep. How many have ever had an experience with the Lord in that in-between space when you're waking up? They're often, for me, raise your hand, let me see. Yeah, it's so fun. See, it's like a normal thing for Christians. But like, and, and, I, and I love those experiences. Some, some of those experiences have been some of the most powerful moments with God. There's something about that place. As I was waking up this Saturday, yesterday morning, seems like two days ago, 
yesterday morning as I was waking up, I had one of those experiences. The presence of God was on my, on me. Ugh, I feel him right now. And, um, and I saw this vision. I saw these people and they had like, they had something on their head. I don't know what it was. I know what it represented. And I heard the Lord say, spirit of obedience. And I felt this anointing for it. And this is what I want to close with today. Because there's an impartation for us. And obedience, a spirit of obedience. If God gives you an impartation of the spirit of obedience, it doesn't mean you've been disobedient. It just means that he's given you a grace to follow him more deeply. Because it's a special time. Do you know the Bible says Jesus learned obedience through the things he suffered? Which just means, that's a, that's a can of worms right there, but let me tell you what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that Jesus was ever disobedient, because he never was. That would have been sin, and he's sinless. Disobedience is sin. Jesus never, ever, ever sinned, not even in a thought. He's tempted in every way, but never, never landed. What does it mean then? It means, and that word suffer just means what you experience. There's an impartation happening right now. Do you feel it? Just receive right now. This is the ministry time. And um, what it means is, is that through the things Jesus experienced after taking on flesh, he'd never done that before. See, he, he just always had experienced oneness with the Father and the Spirit. God, the Trinity, had lived forever. No beginning. No end. Just delight. But he took on flesh to enter into our life. And he actually learned that he experienced something that as God he'd never experienced before. And it was the choice to believe through faith. It's crazy. You go, how could God be a man living in faith? But because he's God, he can do anything. And so there's a spirit of obedience. And, I, and, I thought, and again, it was, had such a grace on it. Like, it doesn't mean we're disobedient. It means that there is a fresh spirit of obedience. The Holy Spirit has given us this touch right now that graces us to easily slip in to what he's doing. And I believe that he's really just poured out his spirit on us. So just put your hands out in front of you. And ministry team, if you want to begin to come forward here right after I pray. Father... I, I thank you for what you're doing. We just respond to you. And I thank you for the spirit of obedience. I thank you, God, for a great faith. And we do, we say, God, pour out your spirit on us. God, we don't say it as desperate children who are lacking. God, we say it as children of your house who are feasting on you, enjoying your presence already. But we're saying whatever you're doing in this day, we're in. We're in. We want you. We're not pros. We're children. We're yours. So just receive that right now.